All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for the ability to gather. And even though we're in a backyard and it's different than what we're used to, Lord, we just thank you that we get to come into your name and to be together and to share and to grow. And God, we ask that you would uh, speak to our hearts. Would you show us how to live in mighty powerful ways during crazy times? In Jesus' name, amen. This is wild. It's kind of fun. Thank you again, Norby's. Um, this is fun. We've got kids running around. We've got dogs. Um, <clears throat> the title of this message is, What is going on? Where is God? And what is he doing? Amen. So friends, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we have a problem. In just the last six months of 2020, we have a pandemic of the 20s. We have the economic depression of the 30s. We have the race and civil wars of the 50s and 60s all within a six-month period. Things that normally would be reserved for entire decades, we are getting all of them in a span of a few months. And these are crazy times. There are um, reports of just the, the outcomes and the effects of the pandemic on families. And um, the Journal of American Medicine said that depression itself is up 300% since the start of the pandemic. And we see an uh, incredible rise in anxiety, abuse, suicide, addiction. It's all surging now. And so these are some of the crazy problems that our world is right now wrestling with. But these are not the problems that I want to talk to you about today. There's actually one problem I want to talk to you today about is that this is the greatest opportunity that Christians have ever had to be the salt and the light for the world, to be the hope of the world. And they are severely missing it. We are in such a great opportunity now for the body of Christ to actually reach into the needs of people who are hurting. And I'm finding in my experience, and maybe yours, that Christians are coming up short. They don't know really what to say. They don't know how to shine. And so why are we missing it? Why, why are so many Christians, you know, if you look at the average Christian life with the average non-Christian life, like their lives are really not that wildly different. We are all going up under circumstances that are really challenging and trying, but the outflows and the fruit of our lives is really not all of that different. And I have a theory is I think that most Christians actually don't know what to make of these times. I think they look at what's happening, the pandemic, the recession, and they don't know really how to explain it. They don't know what the response should be. But yet in times of crisis is also times of great seeking. There's nothing like a crisis where life throws a curveball at you, where all of a sudden you start seeking, what is God? Who is God? What is he doing? And so I believe there are millions of people who are trying to find out what is going on, where is God, and what is he doing in these times? And Christians should have the answer, but most don't. And if you were to ask the average Christian, hey, what is going on? Where's God and what is he doing? you would be lucky to get any answer as they would try to explain the civil unrest, the pandemic, the recession, the wildfires, you know, uh, the political turmoil. You ask them, where is God in all this? What is he doing? What's going on? And what would they say? Well, a lot of them would just kind of like hide and not give you any answer. You might get a variation of one of three uh, uh, answers, and Krista will smile at this because we talk about this often, which one of them is Christians will often point to crazy times like this, and they'll say, this is all part of God's plan. You're like, thousands of people dying? It's part of God's plan? Economies destroyed, small businesses lost, jobs being lost, that's part of God's plan? Wildfires is part of God's plan? Civil unrest, 
looting, protests, racial injustice, this is all part of God's plan? And my thought is like, well, if this is part of God's plan, like, does he need any suggestions? <laughs> because I might have a couple good ones to offer. Another variation of this is God is in control. That he's, you know, maybe I can't explain it all, but God is still in control. It's bad, but I rest upon the peace that God is in control of all this. And to me, that always gives me pause because I'm like, this is God in control? Like, I don't want to see him out of control, you know? Like, this seems really chaotic and this seems really crazy because, you know, we then have to wrestle with, well, is God controlling a pandemic? Is he controlling the unrest? Is he controlling the wildfires? My cousin just lost her house in the wildfire in Oregon. Is that part of God's control? Do we actually go and say, God required this to happen as part of his master plan? We have friends, I don't know if you guys, but uh, we've got a lot of friends that this has been a really hard time for them at home. There's multiple couples facing divorce by the product of being trapped with each other and homeschooling their kids and doing all the different adjustments they have to make is that, you know, their lives are in upheaval. And are we really coming to saying that this is God's control? It makes me wonder, is anybody else up there that could take a turn at the steering wheel if this is God's control? And maybe the insecure Christian would say, well, I don't know what God is doing, but I know that he's good. I know that all of this is good somehow. And that also is a big challenge. How do we paint a picture of all these things being good? I mean, I have a different definition of good if this is what God's good plan is. And so we look at these things and we ask, what else is going on? If you, um, if you don't fall into one of those three categories, you might fall into one of the oversaved categories in trying to explain what's going on. The oversaved category is to take normal cultural events and then over-spiritualize them to great degrees. Let me give you a few of the ones that people say. Is one, this is God's judgment upon America or the world or somewhere else. Um, or maybe this is God's discipline. Maybe this is God's rebuke, his teaching. Or with all the wildfires, have you noticed people are like, this is the end times. The Bible says there'll be fire and clearly this is the end times. Have you read Revelation? You know, so we have loss, we have death and destruction, and yet many Christians believe this is all part of God's doing somehow, some way, and they'll just say, well, I'm trusting him with whatever is going on here, and I'm just going to not know the answer, and that's just what he's doing, and I believe it. And it's, it har it's hard for me. It's a, it's a hard message for those who don't know God to hear those things. And I believe that with all of these responses that all these Christians are giving, that Jesus is up there in heaven, given like the biggest face palm ever of like, guys, did it need to be this complicated? Like I made this really, really simple. This isn't that hard. What is going on? Where is, where is God? What is he doing? So first let's talk about these things. Um, first, what is going on? And Jesus fortunately made it so clear for us in the Bible about how do we reconcile loss, destruction, death? How do we reconcile those? It's crazy. Actually, in the Bible, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life. And he draws this line in the sand. It says, there's two worlds to the spiritual realm. There's one that gives life, and there's one that gives death. Now, I'm no scientist. I have no research degree, but I would probably look at the world right now, and I would probably describe the current events as having a lot of stealing, killing, destroying, 
Um, that's kind of how I would describe it. But yet the same Christians who look at this and Jesus saying, stealing, killing, destroying is the work of an enemy. Christians are saying, no, this is God's judgment. This is God's discipline. This is his teaching us. This is his rebuke. These are the end times. And I wonder, like, if this is not stealing, killing, and destroying, well, can someone tell me what is? You know, if, if this is not another force at work, then where is the other force at work? I mean, do we have another better example of this? And I think that Jesus is like, I don't know how much clearer I could have made this for you, that he draws that line in the sand for us. But Jesus continues in, in chapter 16. A few chapters later, he says, I am telling you these things so that in me you may have peace. He says, the world will give you tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. I read that to you again. I'm telling you these things so that in me you may have peace. The world will give you tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Do you notice that he sets it up and says, I'm telling you this in order that you may have peace. He's telling us like, I'm about to give you something and the outcome is peace. And it says, the world is going to bring tribulation, but I have overcome the world. And that is to cause us peace, which is great because he says, I've overcome the world. Notice he didn't say that I will be giving you tribulation. He says the world will be giving you tribulation. And knowing that is how we actually can have peace. We understand that it's not God who gives us tribulation, but it is the world. And we can have peace because Jesus has overcome that which is against us. This is revolutionary thought in a lot of Christianity because a lot of Christianity thinks that God is sending all these things. And I just... Look at this and like, man, God has made it so clear that we only can have peace in him by disconnecting the calamity, the trials, the tribulations, the death, the disease. We need to separate that from God's plan upon us. So Jesus was really clear that we can have peace in him. But again, how does that work if you believe that God is bringing all this about our world and bring this to us? If you think that God is sending a pandemic, how could you have peace in God? You know, so let, let, maybe I can say it this way, is that if you think God is causing the pandemic and the civil rest, the economic destruction, the wildfires, you actually cannot have peace in him, the way that he tells us to have peace. He's like, have peace in me. The world is going to give you trials and tribulations, but I've overcome the world. If God is inflicting all this on humanity, he can't be the single source of peace. You can't be the inflictor and the comforter at the same time. Because he says very clearly, the world gives you tribulation, but I've overcome the world. And because of that, you can have peace in me. And God can't be controlling the world while also claiming victory to have overcome the world. We see these differences all throughout scripture where we find God making his, victor his victory known. But also we have this theology that says, well, God causes everything. So we need to break those apart. But you might be saying, well, wait, I always thought that God had control. It's like somewhere in the Bible, right? That God controls everything. God controls the world. Believe it or not, there's not a single verse in the entire Bible that says God controls the world. There's one verse that says that somebody controls the world. And it's 1 John 5, 19. It says, we are children of God and the whole world lies under the control of the evil one. And so right there, we, we see plainly what is going on. There's actually another entity that is at force here. Not a single passage tells us that God controls the world, but we have a very clear and literal terms of someone who is. And, it, and we need to understand, maybe you have a, a challenge with that. A good way to think of it is like that God is in charge, but not in control. He has all authority, but he's given rulership to those who are on the earth. 
and to the degree that we can be influenced by other people, by the enemy, then those forces can control the earth. But God is not controlling us. He's not controlling whether we're here or not. He's not controlling that we had wine instead of grape juice. You know, he is letting us rule on the earth. So to the question of like, what is going on? How does a Christian look at what's going on and give a really biblically sound explanation for what's going on? And I have it for you. It is that the world has brought forth tribulation. Where's God in this? Well, this is the world's doing. Whether you want to blame it on the free will of man, whether you want to blame it on evil or racism, or whether you want to blame it on prejudice, like the world, like God loves us and loves our free choice so much that he allows the world to cultivate what it wants. And so whether it is disease or whether it's political strife, whatever it is, God is allowing the world to have its way. And so when we look at the, the challenges of the world, we can say, man, the world has brought tribulation, but God has overcome the tribulations of the world. It's plain and simple. And this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. He's like, I tell you, like the world is going to bring you tribulation. And then we have tribulation like, wow, this is totally unexpected. Where did this come from? I wish Jesus would have told me this would have come. And so we are in the middle of this cosmic battle of light and dark, good and evil, love and hate, and it's messy. But the point is, is that the world brings its own troubles. The world brings its own tribulations. And our responsibility as Christians, as believers, is to look at the tribulations. And the very first thing is to say, this is not God. This is the world bringing about it. But we can have hope. How can you have hope? Because God has overcome the world. And so we look at these things, and this should provide us a sound biblical answer, but also give us hope. Like there's no hope in saying, pandemic's all part of God's plan. Can't stop it. (laughs) You know, like... What a depressing view. Like, if you think God is in a pandemic, like, that is a depressing view to have. There's a lot of people who believe that. But an encouraging verse I have found for me is 1 John 4, 10. It says, greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. And that's encouraging to me because it, it tells me that no matter what comes my way, is that I have something greater and bigger in me than anything I'm going to face. Which is our second point. Where is God? Again, the most important questions people want to know right now is what is going on, where is God, and what is he doing? So what's going on? The world has brought forth its own tribulation, but God has overcome the world. Where is God? Well, is he retired? You know, is there like some gated community in heaven that he's just like relaxing after Jesus returned? Like, what is God doing, and where is he? Is he up in the sky? You know, so, but did you catch First John 4, 10? It says, greater is he who's in you. So we like to think of God as somewhere else distant, and over and over throughout the scriptures, he's in us. Let me give you some of my favorite verses to this extent. Is Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives through me. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know, I love Paul's like, this is a mind-blowing revelation. Don't you know that, that the Spirit of God dwells in you, that you are his temple and Romans 8:11, which again, it's another baffling one. The Spirit of God, which raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. We weren't just saved and you know, redeemed. It's like we've been fully empowered with the Spirit. But people will pray dumb prayers all the time, such as, God, be with me. <laughs> and he's like, my Spirit's in you. I don't know how much closer I can get. <laughs> you know? uh, people pray, God, give me your Spirit. And we're like, well, we already have this Spirit. And we are continually asking God to give us things he's already given even when they described his arrival, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we can take great comfort in knowing what is going on, that the world has brought its own tribulations, but God has overcome the world. And where's God right now? He's in me. He's in you. He is 
in you helping you to overcome what you are facing. And the most comforting thing that I have as I face the world and the pandemic and the civil unrest is that I'm not alone. I'm not ill-equipped. I've got the Spirit of God who raised Jesus in me to overcome anything that I'm facing. And so God is not in this off distant place and he's not abstract. And it's important to know that we also know that God is doing something in you. He's speaking to you. He's growing you. He's maturing you. He's loving you. And in hard times, he's doing something very special. Romans 8.35 says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, civil unrest, pandemic, recession, stock market, you know, nakedness, peril or sword, wildfires, AQI, you know, like all these different things. What will separate us from the love of God? Any of these things, but in all of these things, all of these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. You can fit in that whole line of sentence, anything that we're facing, homeschooling, uh, economic loss, job loss, you know, any of those things, you can put in that whole entire line of, uh, that entire line of, of items and say that we overwhelmingly in him conquer them through him who loved us. And so God is in you to help you conquer that which comes against you. We look at where is God? He's in us. Well, what is he doing? He is actually in you, helping you overcome that which comes against you. What I love about um, these times, and I mean love in a very sarcastic way, is that Christians can be some of the most unloving and unhelpful people when bad things happen. I don't know if you noticed this. Um, I recently had back surgery, and someone suggested to me recently like telling like my kind of summer journey of back surgery, like, well, you know, like God sends us those things to teach us things. <laughs> you know, like there's just some things that only God can teach us through these things. And I'm just like kind of twitchy and trying to keep a polite face on. And I'm like, uh-huh, okay. I'm just like, tell me more. And like, you know, because God sometimes needs to break us in order to teach us. And I'm just th thinking here like, you, first off, you clearly don't know me because you don't know my theology very well. But two, like, what an awful picture of God. I mean, that would be like any one of us taking our child's bicycle and unscrewing the axle nut on the front wheel to teach them to wear a helmet. Like, that is the equivalency of this, is that we, we look at God saying, like, he needs to bring about bad things in order to teach us, would be such this... Like, we would throw mothers and fathers in jail if we did the same thing to our own kids. And so a common thing people suggest is that bad things will happen to you, maybe as punishment. I had somebody else that suggested that maybe because I had this infection that came after my back surgery, and they were like, you know, I just feel like maybe there's something else going on, you know, and like inferring something. And so anyways, really bothered me, and I wanted to be like really open to it. But... If God is still sending circumstances to punish us for sin, then what was the cross for? Like if, if God's really sending a pandemic or if he's sending back surgery and infection because there's sin in your life, well, what was the cross for? Like it's this, this complete disconnect. But God does not send hard things to teach you. He does not send bad things to punish you. No, he is in you and helping you conquer that which comes against you. So if you're facing hard times, that is not God sending you a message. Because think about it. It takes zero faith to think that God is sending you something bad. 
most people, when something bad happens, the first thing is to like shake their fist and why God? You know, maybe you've thought that in these times, like, why Lord? <laughs> you know, and it's, it's our first inclination. It takes zero faith to believe that something bad was sent from God. It actually takes a lot of faith to believe that God is good and he's actually equipping you to defeat the very thing that came against you, to overcome your trials and your struggles. So what's going on? Where's God and what is he doing? What's going on? The world has brought its own tribulations, but thankfully God has overcome the world. Where is he? He's in me. He's in you. He's not in some off world. His spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of us. And what is he doing? Well, we know he's not sending trials. He's not rebuking you with wildfires. He's not punishing you. He's not correcting you with a terrible air quality index today. No, God is actually helping you. He's in there to help you overcome, which is our last point, is that God is helping you overcome every single thing that is facing us in this world, whether large or small. Sometimes I reserve bigger things for God and smaller things, but he wants to have, have it all. He's like, I'm, a, I'm equipping you for everything. The, the smallest of things that bother you, the smallest of things that are against you. And we don't need to reserve any big things just for God. He's like, I'm here to overcome you, anything, large or small. And actually, for me, it takes more faith to trust him in smaller things, saying, well, this is beneath God, like I can handle this. You know, he wants, he wants the large and the small. He's helping us conquer it all. But a, a key thing that we forget, not only is God helping us overcome what comes against us. He's helping you over, help other people overcome what comes against them. Not only is he there to help you, he's in you to help somebody else overcome what's against them. And a lot of people don't realize, how does God accomplish his purposes? Another one of those theological thoughts, like how does God move? You know, what does he do? What does it look like? And one of my favorite passages is Philippians 2.13. It says, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. How does God fulfill his purposes on earth? By working through the thoughts, emotions, desires, and behaviors of God's people. If that's true, then it means that God helps others through you. So when we pray for somebody who's in need, the help usually doesn't come down in the form of a cloud. Like if we pray for someone to have a car, my experience hasn't been that a car just kind of floats down with a couple strings attached to a cloud. It's usually somebody else or a group of people who feel like, man, we need to give this person a car. And so it's, it's human beings, it's God partnering with people to actually bring about these answers to prayers. And so when we pray for people, the answers almost always are fulfilled by other people. So what is God doing right now? He's working in you to help you conquer and overcome what is against you and to help others overcome what is against them. So our mission on earth is to love people, of course, because we get that love people, love God, but also we miss how is God moving on earth? He's moving through you to help somebody else. And that is the big problem, is that not only do Christians not know how to explain the times, Christians are completely unaware that they are the answers to other people's prayers. They're completely unaware that they have been called to be fighters in helping overcome the trials and the hardships that face so many people. They are completely unaware that that is their responsibility. So as we look at people who have struggling, challenging marriages, our response is actually God has equipped me not only to overcome my own personal challenges, but also to take upon your challenges and help you and encourage you and love you. And what can I do to help you do it? 
And that is where I think the, the huge miss that we have as Christians is that we are trying to survive like the rest of them, not knowing how that works. But we're missing the call that we have to get involved in other people's lives. Christians don't know that they are equipped especially for these times, the pandemics, the civil unrest, uh, the economic times, that we are fully equipped. Colossians 2.10, I love it, says, you've received fullness in Christ. There's no diet Holy Spirit. There's no, like, baby Christians in training. There's no, like, John uh, 3.34, I think, it says that God gives his spirit without limit. You don't need to earn or accrue or develop anything more like God. It gives it to you in full, out of the gate. Even our kids, I love it. I think of like our kids, like they've got just as much of the Holy Spirit and all the power of God in them, just as much as us, which is an amazing thought, right? But therein lies the challenge, like understanding what is in us, that God has equipped us for these times to be the light and the hope for people who are here. So how do we, as followers of God, who have the whole power of the Holy Spirit within us, who are the hands and feet of God, serve and love people and help them overcome what is against them. The world needs us. And we have all something to offer. We have something to offer for people having hope. We have something to offer for people in their marriages, for their parenting, for their jobs, for their finances, for their fears, for their faith, for their needs. And so the goal is not to get people into church. Sometimes we get confused of like, well, we just need to get people inside the building. No, the goal is to take all the stuff that is in the building and all the people in the building and then serve the world and serve people. And so that is my big thing I want to leave with you guys today is just that you are the answer to someone's prayer. That somebody out there is praying for somebody else and you very well might be the answer to that prayer. Instead of us saying, well, I'll also pray for you, it's to actually say, well, God, have you called me to be the answer to that prayer? Have you asked me to respond in such a way that would help them overcome their trial and their hardship? So Christians need to step it up. They need to know that this is our time. And they need to know how to answer for these times. So what is going on? The world has brought its own tribulations. Where is God? He's in us because he, overcome the, he overcame the world. And what is he doing? He's helping us overcome the world and be victorious in helping others. So my challenge to you is this, is I want you to consider your role in helping other people overcome. Maybe you guys can just close your eyes just for a second. Let's do a little exercise here. And I just want you to take a moment and I want you to clear your mind and consider is there someone that needs you right now? Is there an issue? Is there a topic? Is there a struggle? Is there a trial that somebody is encountering, a name or face or situation that's coming to mind that God is asking you to open your eyes to? Maybe it's something simple. Maybe it's something someone just needs an encouraging text message. Maybe it's like they just need to like, I just need to vent. Maybe they actually have a need. Maybe they have a financial hardship. Whatever it is, I want you to be aware of any name that comes to mind now. And I want it to be your assignment tonight, tomorrow, to touch base with them. Whether you send them a text message, just saying, hey, I'm thinking of you. God put you in my heart. Do something to advance that spark, that name of someone who's in you. And then you can ask God, what do you want me to do about this? What do I have to offer? Do I have something to give? What can I do that could help?
do I have the power to help change anything in this person's life? So think of that and take action tonight or tomorrow. Let's pray. Pray. God, we just thank you, Lord, that, um, God, you're so mighty and powerful, and that power and might dwells within us. And you help us to overcome everything that's before us. And we lift up all the challenging situations and circumstances of everyone here, but also our extended family and our friends and those who want to be here who can't today. And we just say, God, would you call us forth to be the solution? Lord, we just pray that you would invade our dreams and our thoughts. Give us names and people and ideas for how to help other people get through these times and to overcome. And thank you, Lord, it's not by us. It's, it's through you. It is that you in us that's conquering all these challenges. And it's you who's going to help everyone else overcome and, and conquer them as well. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for our time here in Jesus' name. Amen.